Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. This morning, we're concluding our series called The Best is Yet to Come today. And uh, we've talked a lot about how God, the, the best is yet to come is not a slogan, but is a declaration. You know, if you go to our offices now, we have it plastered on the wall. The best is yet to come. How many know the word yet has a lot, to, lot of connotation? That the best is yet to come, that it's, it's, a, it's, a, for, it's a forward declaration. And, uh, uh, and so over the last couple of weeks, we've learned that God is still powerful. We've learned the reason we can declare that the best is yet to come is because God is still powerful. God is still moving. And we also declare that God is still good. And last week we talked about God is still gracious. This week we're going to talk about God is still victorious. God is still victorious. And today's a special day in the state of Ohio. Come on, the Who Day Nation is probably awakened and ready to go today. It's a special day. And uh, amen, we're going we're gonna to win. We're going to beat the Chiefs. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. And I hope we face the 49ers. That would be old school, right? Back in the day, Ken Anderson and Chris Collinsworth versus uh, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Now it's now it's them LSU boys for them Bengals, boy. Them, them boys, the boy, they're good, aren't they? They're good. He used to be a Buckeye. Praise him. Not praise him, but praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> and so, but anyway, we're rooting for them. But how many know, I, I love a good sporting event, right? I love a good football game. I love a good basketball game, good baseball game. I love sports. I love to watch them. Um, we're a, we're a, we're a sporty sports family, not sporty, but sports family, and uh, we love to watch sports, and uh, there's nothing like watching a football game or some sort of game where, you know, it starts off well, right, and you're killing it, you're winning, you're up by 24, and then all of a sudden as the game goes, you know, you're, 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 you're cheering victory at the beginning, and then all of a sudden as the game goes, you ever see this happen, and the, it, the score gets tighter, and the cheers get less, Right, and you get to the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden they end up winning, and all of a sudden the 67,000 people are quiet. In the st- That's not going to happen today, everybody. I'm not prophesying, so you know. But what I will say is this, is, is that you can notice the difference when a team is winning and when a team is losing. You can notice the difference in a team that, is, that, is, that, is, that, that has experienced victory or those teams that have experienced uh, defeat. And you know what the indicator is? Is the sound. Victory has a specific sound. If you like, I got to go my first Bengals game. I had opportunity to sit on the on the right there at the pylon on the on the right there and the visitors right on the right there. Right there, there I was. There's the chair. There's the seat. There's the ground, right. And so um, it was an awesome experience, right. And uh, they have the decibel meter online. Some of you wouldn't do well at a football game because you're like, it's so loud in church. I'm like, it's 85 decibels. You go out to a, it's 110. These people are loud and crazy out there. But anyway, the point is this, is like when somebody, there's a sound of victory. And you, and you know when, when they win, like, oh, whoa, everybody goes crazy. We have a cousin that he videoed himself running through his neighborhood like a wild, crazy man, yelling who day at the top of his lungs after the last win. Now, you know, people are nuts, right? I'm not saying he's nuts, but that's kind of nutty, you know. You just go running down the street freaking out. Why? Nobody, it's funny that nobody cares, right? When your team's winning, 
you just, you act ridiculous, right? And it, he goes running down the street. He doesn't care what the neighbors think. He's running down there in his silky boxers, just running through the neighborhood. And uh, it just, but victory has a sound. It's loud and it's victorious. But I want you to understand, defeat also has a sound. But the sound is silence. If you notice at the end of a game, if somebody loses, nobody's like, way to go, you guys lost. No, nobody does that. We're like, dang it. You get up, you leave, right? Nobody's cheering for defeat, right? Nobody, nobody's excited about defeat. And the thing I want you to get out of this this morning is simply this, is that there's no defeat in your God. So listen to me this morning. So the, re, the response of the church should not be silence. The response of the church should be victory. Because if you understand what Jesus has done, he's not a losing God, he's not lost, he was put into a tomb, and for three days he was buried, but he got up. And it was, I mean, even the angels were, it was was loud, the earth, and just it just got crazy when he came up out of there. But listen to me this morning, what I want you to understand this morning is that if we're gonna walk with God and we're gonna overcome our giants and we're gonna overcome our Goliaths in our life, we're gonna have to understand that victory has a sound. And our response to the victory of what Jesus has already done is not silence. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to be silent no more. Come on, look at your other neighbor, which was your second choice, and say, I'm about to be silent no more. Right? Because, because victory has, victory has a, 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 a sound. It's a language, if you would. Shouting is a language of victory. Uh, uh, silence is the language of defeat. And today we're going to look at the story of, of David and Goliath. It's, a, it's an old school story. I love this, this story. But Goliath, now, let me kind of give you some summary on this and some kind of, some kind of background. Saul was the first king of Israel here, and, and uh, he, 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 supposedly they're at battle. And uh, they were in the Valley of Gath, and Goliath and his folks were on one side and the children of Israel on the other. And there was supposed to be this battle going on, Right? And so what happened was, uh, every day for 40 days, this Goliath would come out, and he would mock the children of Israel. Now Saul's leading the army, and there they are. It literally says that Saul, they come out in the morning, they see Goliath, and then they go back into the bushes. There was something significant about this Goliath. He was a giant man, and he had been, again, he began, he, he began to challenge the Israelite army to a champion's duel, is what they would call it back then. And a champion's duel was winner takes all. Winner takes all. And so this one side of the valley, Goliath was their champion. And on this side, the Israelites had nobody. And on this side, the champions champions duel was winner take all. So basically what would happen is the Israelites would surrender. They would become uh, the servants of Goliath and his crew. And if Goliath loses... And, and, and the Israel's champion wins, then the Philistine army would surrender, and they would become servants of Israel. And so for 40 days, Goliath came out, and he, 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 um, he challenged them. Really, Goliath did a couple things. Goliath, he intimidated them. He brought a spirit of intimidation. Now, he was a large human being, and I'm going to show you a little bit about this guy named Goliath. He was a large human being. So he intimidated the whole army of Israel, one guy. Goliath also, he instilled fear in people's heart. He, he, in, in Israel's heart, he would come, and he, just his demeanor was fearful. 
and uh, he also, Goliath was insulting. He would insult the armies of the living God. Now, there's a boy over here tending sheep named David. And he's over here tending his father's sheep. And his father says to him, hey, go down to the battle where your brothers are in battle and take them some, take them a snack. Come on, little cheese and crackers down to the battle. And there they are, they're walking down, David's walking down, he's got his little, he's got his Ritz crackers, come on, and some sharp cheddar cheese, here he comes. And he walks and all of a sudden, his dad had told him there's a battle going on. Well, he gets down there and there ain't no battle. Ain't nothing going on. And he walks up and he gives his brothers and, and them the, the, the snack to keep them nourished for the battle that they're not in. And all of a sudden, Goliath comes out. It's his time to come out. And he starts to, he starts to insult. He starts to intimidate. He starts to, to curse the, the children of Israel. And, and, and David's standing there. And he's just a young guy. And he's just standing there. And he's looking at Saul. And he's looking at Goliath. And he goes, listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 26. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Notice the key word. He's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Just like my first illustration this morning. We've allowed so much intimidation. We've allowed so much fear. Well, it's just what's going on. No, you have to allow it in order for it to penetrate you. You have to allow intimidation into your life if it's going to intimidate you. You have, you have to allow fear in if fear is going to dominate you, right? And so he says this. He says, who is this begging Philistine anyway that he should allow, uh, that, he, is he allowed, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Now, David, again, he's just a boy. And basically, he's looking at Saul and going, hey, king, what's up? Why are you letting this go on? Right? He's like, come on, what are we going to do about this thing? And David, David, you have to understand, it wasn't about self-confidence for David. David had a God confidence in his life. And I really believe that if we're going to overcome the Goliaths in our life, we have to realize that God is still victorious, but we have to walk that victory out every single day. We have to face our giants a certain way. That, yeah, God is still powerful, and he's still victorious, and the best is yet to come. But how do we get victory into our lives? How do we walk around with this victory? And I want to challenge you this week, and look in your lives today before we leave this service, that what have you allowed to defy the God-given purpose in your life? What have you allowed to come in and sit in your life that has, that has uh, uh, perpetrated intimidation and fear, that has paralyzed you to where now you don't even move into the things of God anymore. Well, I'm not qualified. Somebody else will do it. Hold on a second. You're allowing that small spirit to be in you. And then he goes into Galatians and says, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a self-confidence. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So my question this morning is, how do we find hope when we feel defeated? How do we move in faith toward our dream and vision as a church and as an individual? How do we face Goliath in the day to come? How do we face the things knowing God is victorious? Come on, man. He, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's victorious. So how do we get that victory operating in our How do we overcome those giants in our life? We have to continue to remind ourselves that God is still victorious. Write this down if you're taking notes. God 
can turn the valley of defeat into the valley of victory. God can turn the valley of defeat into the valley of victory. So how are we supposed to appropriate victory? How do we overcome the giants in our life? Number one is this. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, recognize the real giant. Recognize the real giant. And here's what I mean by that. Images can be deceiving. A lot of times we have painted a picture of a giant in our life, and the only reason the giant is as big as it is is because you paint the picture. You sit around and you dwell upon it and you think on it and you created your own Goliath by sitting around dwelling on negativity, doubt, unbelief, pain from your past. It's all sitting in your mind and you're just dwelling on it. And guess what happened? Something that was intended to be very small that could be taken care of at seed form has now grown into this Goliath and you don't know how to overcome it. So you have to recognize the real giant. Listen, sometimes in our mind and our heart, we get the wrong pictures about certain situations. I want to put a picture up to you, and I want you to yell out what you see. Tell me what you see. Okay, a dot. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? Just watch, just watch that illustration right there just for a moment. Isn't it funny that everybody in the room said a black dot? But nobody mentioned that greater than the black dot is the white space. Why, because images are deceiving. And we paint images in our mind and we're prone to black dot living. We're prone to see the negative in everything. That's the way we were born into this earth. And so leave my, leave my picture up here for just a minute, is that, that when we see this image, you were like dot, black dot, why? Because it's very easy for us to think on the negative and we start to create this giant within our lives. We paint pictures in our minds of our enemy. Listen, do you realize that Goliath is described in a whole paragraph in, in 1 Samuel that we know more about the physical appearance of Goliath than we do the Son of God? Think about it. Why is that? It's because we're prone to negative. We're prone to defeat. We're prone to think not optimistic, but pessimistic. Right? We don't have Joshua and Caleb in the room. Right? We have the other 10 that you don't even know their names anymore. Right? Because we're so prone to black dot living. We're prone to negative, and these little things in our life become magnified, and all of a sudden, we're fighting a giant that's not even real anymore. Now, let me read the description of... I'm going to go back to that, but you can go to the passage. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4 through 7, says it this way. Then Goliath, a Philistine, champion from Gath, which means he's destroyed some other people, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. Again, here's the description, nine feet tall. Uh, he wore a bronze helmet, and a, his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze, a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spear that weighed 15 pounds. His uh, armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. It's interesting that when you read about Goliath, there's so much detail. 
And, and when I read this, I think of it from this direction, that the details of the giant are just like our human nature. It's just like the black, black dot mentality, is that we are prone and we know how to describe our giants. I walk up to you and I say, how are you? Well, I'm just so tired and I've been going through this and I've been going through that and I've been doing this and this is happening to me. and all. It's like constant barf mode, right? It's real easy. They're, Here it comes. Huh? How you doing today? There it is. Right? Instead of, instead of hey, uh, greater is he that's in me than, it, see, it, 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 it's in the world, then, the, greater is he that's in me than that's in the world. Hey, I, I'm more than a conqueror. All of a sudden now, I'm not saying you dismiss reality, but I'm saying is don't let reality become your reality. You might want to think about that one more time. Don't let your reality become your reality. And so we describe our giants, we describe our problems, we describe our difficulties, we, we, we describe our fears, and I really believe that we need a shift of focus. I really believe that we need a shift of focus. Go back to my picture. Listen, most of the time we're so focused on the black dot that you realize that the white space is greater than the black dot. That if you would leave today and, and start to identify the real giant, and start to say to yourself, listen, there's a greater white space than there is a black dot. That my God is greater than my, every one of my problems and every one of my, every one of my issues. That there's this white space, and get this in your mind, that God is victorious over every Goliath, over every problem, over every disease, over every issue. That God is victorious, and he wants you to walk in victory, and he wants you to stop believing the lie that this great giant has authority over you. Stop with the black dot living. Number two is this. First, you gotta recognize the real giant. Number two is this. Remember the victories. Remember the victories. David walks up and he hears this guy talking. And David comes and he, he, he sees the, the magnitude of this man. And David says this. David, David, he's looking at Saul and he's like, hey man, hey, who's, who's going out? And Saul's like, nobody's going out. David's like, I got this. Let's go, just a kid in a youth group. Here it is, we're ready to fight this nine-foot guy. And here he goes, he goes, you know what, I got this, I'm going out. And Saul's like, whoa, partner, little buddy guy. Listen here, I don't know if you should do that or not. Have you seen how big he is? He said, if you're gonna go out, then you need to put my armor on. Isn't it just like us? Trying to tell, isn't it just like, just like the enemy? Trying to tell us to put somebody else's purpose on. Trying to be like somebody else, put somebody else's armor on. That's how you're gonna win. That's how you're gonna feel significant. No, all of a sudden, David puts it on. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't fight like this. This ain't how I fight. I don't roll like this. Get this junk off of me. I need to have, I need to be weightless when I go out here. And so David, he goes out. It's very interesting that when you think about what they thought about David, can you imagine being in the army and the 19-year-old comes up and he's like, I got this guy, no problem. Yeah, he's just an enthusiastic youth. There he is again, overachiever, <laughs> Right? They think there's no way this is gonna work out. They're looking at Goliath and they're looking at David. But David's confidence is not in himself. David's confidence is in God. And you know how he got confidence? Listen to me this morning, this is a word for some of you. You know how he got confidence? He remembered the past victories. Where your confidence has been lost and your hope has been deferred, guess what? You know how you get it back? Just look backwards. Start writing down every time God came through for you. 
So if you're going to overcome the Goliath, then victory is going to start to operate in our life. we got to remember the victories. Listen to this. He's, this, this, this is the passage. First Samuel 17, 32. It says, don't worry about the Philistine. Don't worry about it. I got this. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you fight this Philistine and possibly win. Listen to me, that's important. Because if you're gonna fight your Goliath, you better make sure you got people around you that has faith and not people that are filled with doubt. Don't get people around you that are gonna, that are gonna, that are gonna cry with you. <laughs> always have a need, sucking the life out of you, a leech always around you. Listen to me this morning, you can't live in victory and have leeches in your life. Right, because this is, this is what he says. He says, listen, Saul represents that. He came in and he said, this was the word he told him. He said, you're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Here you go. He's about to break it down. He's like, I've been hanging out with the sheep and the goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Now, let me ask you a crazy question. When's the last time you heard a story like that? A lamb come, a lion comes and he grabs the lamb, he takes off running. Have you ever seen a lion run? Those things ain't slow. They take off, especially if they got a lamb in their mouth. But David says, I did not allow the enemy to take what was precious to my father and destroy it. He said, I ran after him and I beat the snot out of him with a club. Now think about that. Here's David. He runs out. He's recounting the victories. And he says, he says, and then he says, I go after with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Think about that. If the animal turns and looks at him, he just grabs him by the jaw and says, Mr. Lion, get, get, but how many know adrenaline's high at this moment? But he's recounting the faithfulness of victories. He says this, he says, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death, verse 36. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. He says, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. All of a sudden, he starts getting this God confidence going in his heart. And all of a sudden, whatever you're facing today, listen to me. Don't face the giant in front of you without remembering the victories that God has already brought you through. Because it builds faith. It, build, it builds faith in your life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden what happens in this moment is David, it's like David is saying to God and he's saying to Saul, my God will do it again. Come on, my God will do it again. No matter what we're facing, my God will do it again. He saved me from the lion, he saved me from the bear, my God will do it again. So you need to look back over your life and say, yep, God set me free from sin, yep, he set me free from sickness, yep, he healed my marriage, yep, he healed my relationships. This Goliath that's in front of me is nothing for my God because I look back and see the victories of what God's done in my life. Come on, somebody. And you start to remember the victories and you start to declare it, God will do it again. When I look to the future of our church and where we're going as a church, I got it written on a picture in my office and it says, do it again, God. 
Heal a marriage again, God. Save another person that's lost, God. Bring marriages back together, God. Raise up young people that are on fire again, God. God, do this again, God. Bring blessing again, God. Bring encouragement again, God. Bring hope again to your body. Bring, bring influence into our church. All of a sudden, I start to declare, God, do it again. Why? Because I look back over 10 years, and I see this faithfulness every single time. Nothing moves me. You say, well, pastor, that's kind of arrogant. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with me. I'm standing on a firm foundation. You standing on one? I'm standing on a firm foundation that when I look back, God built a foundation over 10 years of his faithfulness. And guess what? I can go all the way back to May of 1994 where his faithfulness first started in my life. When he came into that bedroom, an addicted young man, lonely, broken, and, and lost, and he set me free. That's when his faithfulness started when I started to recognize it. And all of a sudden now through 25 years of building the faithfulness of God, I'm on a firm foundation that says, listen, I look back over my life and this Goliath and this big thing is nothing too hard for my God. And so then, you know what I do? Listen, listen to what he says, listen to what he says. Number three, number three, we'll close with this. Is if we're gonna beat our Goliaths, we're gonna get victory in our lives, again, we need to recognize the real giant. We need to remember the victories. And finally, we need to respond in faith. It's one thing to stand on the hill and go, yeah, I'll go out and fight him. I got this, all. So don't worry about it. But never go into the valley, right? That's not faith. Faith happens when you respond. You respond in faith. David could have just sat back and said, you know what, yeah, we'll take care of this. We're gonna, get it. We're, gonna get it. We're gonna go out, we're gonna go. We're all gonna go, we're gonna go, I'm gonna go, everybody's going. But nobody goes. So he had to respond to the opposition in faith. So here's what he does. He says, you know what, I don't need your armor. I'm gonna go down to the creek bed, I'm gonna give me five smooth stones. Some people ask, wonder why he had five smooth stones, because there was one for Goliath, and Goliath had four brothers. David was ready. It wasn't because he was gonna miss. It's because he's gonna knock the whole family out. Come on, he wasn't just thinking about one, he was thinking about all five of them. So he went down and he got five smooth stones, which represents God's word in our life. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 45 and 47, David replied to the Philistine. All of a sudden, he, he's, he's face to face with the Philistine. And the Philistine is intimidating him. And he's saying, you're, you're nothing. There's no way that you're going to defeat me. And listen to what David's response is to the enemy. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel. The, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. Notice what he says. He doesn't say David's going to conquer it. He says, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. He was responding in faith. What was he saying? I'm taking your headship. I'm taking your authority. You will no longer be the authority in the land. I'm about to take it from you. This is a picture of when Jesus dies on the cross and takes back the authority of, G, uh, of, of Jesus in the earth and gives it to us. But listen to what he says, he says this, he says, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. So he wasn't just taking Goliath out. And he says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Put my picture back up of my dot. Listen to me this morning, this is what David was doing. David was saying, you come to me with a javelin, this dot, this negativity. You come to me with intimidation and fear, and you come to me, but David's seen the white space. And he says, you come to me, 
But I want you to know something today. The Lord will conquer you, and I will cut off your head, and I will, I will destroy your family, and I'm going to feed it to the birds of the air, and everybody in Israel is going to know that there is a God. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. is whatever you're facing, whatever you need victory in, this morning, respond in faith. Respond with the white space mentality that by faith, just like he said, he said, and now let me keep reading, he says, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but, with not, not, but not with sword and spear, this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. When are we gonna start to get a little bit cocky about our faith against our Goliaths? It wasn't a self-confidence, it was a God confidence. He said, listen to me, I look back over my life, and look, I look back over my life and I see that he handled the lion and he handled the bear. And he said, I come to you not with javelin and spear, and you come to me with these weapons, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to feed you and your entire group to the birds. And he said, they're going to rejoice that there is a God in Israel. They're going to rejoice and, and know that it wasn't David that did it, that it was God that did it. And all of a sudden, David gets his smooth stone in his sling. Come on, somebody. Can you see the picture? There he is. He's probably just at puberty stage. I'm going to cut your head off. And there he is, he's got the sling, and he slings that rock, and something supernatural got on his obedience. There was nothing significant about the rock. The rock was small, it wasn't huge. He wasn't tossing a boulder at Goliath, it was a small rock. That means obedience brings supernatural results. That when he responded in faith and he let that rock go, it was like the fire of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the, and, the, and, the, and the result of God got on this rock and it hit David right between the eyes, or hit Goliath right between the eyes, boink, and it says it sunk into his head. You know how fast the rock's got to go to stick into a nine-foot tall guy's head? And it goes and it hits his head and all of a sudden Goliath goes, bang, and David walks over. And he takes the sword of Goliath and he grabs Goliath by the nap of the neck and he goes off with your head. And then he turns around to the bench, right? You got guys on the field and you got guys on the bench. Everybody gets a ring, but not everybody participates. Come on, somebody. And so David turns around on this side and he holds his head up and all of Israel, all of a sudden you hear the sound of victory. They come out of the bushes. Goliath is defeated! We did it! You didn't do nothing. Got them people in your line? And he start, he's, they, they start rejoicing. Whoa, look what happened. Look what David did. And all of a sudden, David's like, hey, no, has nothing to do with me. They're going to know that there's a God in Israel. So whatever impossible situation we're facing, Whatever great mountain in front of us, whatever the, the big thing that God wants us to do as a church, whatever God wants us to do, it doesn't matter how big it is. It's his church. He said he'll build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said whatever you need to do is you need to realize the real giant, look back over your past and remember the victories and just step into the valley. And when you step into the valley with a word, which is a stone, represents a word from God and you put it in the sling of your mouth, when you start to talk to your giant out of a place of confidence and faith, your giants will fall and everybody will know that there's a God in Southwest Ohio. Come on somebody. 
I love this part because the reality of a giant that somebody discovered that Malcolm Goldwell said this, he's a business writer, that Goliath suffered from a condition called giantism disorder. And what it is, this is what's crazy about it, if you look at it, that he had double vision, they're slow, they have joint pain, they struggled with fatigue. And if you read the scripture, it's very interesting. David comes with his shepherd staff, and he, said to, he says to David, you've come to me with sticks, more than one. Why? Because there was something. In other words, David saw the weakness of the, of the giant. He saw the reality that this giant really isn't what he says he is. But Saul could not determine that because he wasn't close enough. So here's my point, is we gotta get close. Follow me, look at me, James. You're the giant, you're the enemy, you gotta get close. He will, they will discover, you will discover the weakness of the enemy when you get close. Instead of standing on the valley going, yeah, we're gonna win. No, we're gonna run right down into the valley and we're gonna say, hey, Goliath, I got a word for you. Mr. Devil, here it comes. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And all of a sudden, our obedience, God's going to obliterate the demons and Goliaths in our lives. We're going to run at it. We can declare the best is yet to come because God is still victorious. We're going to recognize the real giant. We're going to remember the victories. And we're going to respond in faith. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I haven't run at my giant. Today's not a salvation call. Today is a, are you going to grab a hold again of God? Are you going to grab a hold again and not let the enemy talk you out of your dream and your destiny? Are you going to grab a hold again of the things? You're going you're to dismiss the, like David did. He dismissed the people that were not filled with, with, not filled with faith but doubt and unbelief. In their life, they dismissed them. He dismissed them. Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna look back and remember the victories? Are you gonna look back and and and, and recognize the real giant in your life and you're gonna respond in faith? Some of you have been standing in on the hillside, not running at your Goliath. You've you've stopped. You come to church, but there's no fight in you. You say, Pastor, I want my fight back. I want to growl again. I want to growl again. If that's you, we raise up your hand. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you for it. You're like, I want my growl back. Come on. Who wants their growl back this, this morning? Yeah, come on. Who wants their growl back? I, I want to run at my giants. Listen, you cannot uh, uh, um, uh, mentally assent to a place where you know how to achieve and accomplish and take down the Goliaths that are against your purpose. You can't mentally assent there. The only thing that's going to destroy it is when you look at the faithfulness of God. And you look at the victory on what he did on the cross. And so for you that said, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I want to get my growl back. I, I, I want prayer this morning. I want to pray for you today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you're watching online today, and you said, I want to get that back. I, I, want, I want victory in my life. I'm tired of struggling with it. I want victory in my life. I want the stronghold gone. I'm tired of accepting it. I'm tired of sitting around painting this dot picture, this black dot picture, that I want to move into the white space of God. I want to move into the faith space of God. And I want, I want, God, I want God to be bigger than my problems. I want him to be bigger than my situations and sickness and stuff that I'm fighting. Maybe that's you online today. You say, Pastor, that's me. Just put yes. Put I want my growl back in the comments. 
So Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for each person this morning. We thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit today, those that want their crowd back, those, those God that are gonna look back over their life and they're gonna respond and they're gonna see and they're gonna, they're gonna know the faithfulness and what you did in their life and they're gonna respond in faith. They're gonna run at their giants knowing before they even say a word, you've already brought the victory. Knowing you've already brought the victory. It's already done. You paid for it 2,000 years ago. So Lord, help us walk and appropriate the blessing of the Lord of what happened 2,000 years ago into our present day reality. Help us walk in the victory of the Lord, in his victorious standard. Help us walk in that today. And we decree it and we declare it over every person in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning for his word. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.